0: who's feeling tired. It's a bit unfair, isn't it? When we all get up at five o'clock in the morning? Sometimes life can be incredibly busy. You know, it's this constant from when we get up in the morning to later in the evening, especially if you've got young children. Uh, life is just incredibly busy. This doesn't seem to slow down. Talking about slowing down, uh, yes, kids, <laughs> there's clipboards for you. So if you'd like a clipboard, because I forgot, then... Uh, you can go get a clipboard. If you're an adult, you can't have a clipboard. because you're meant to be listening to me. Great. All right, we've got all the clipboards organised. Um, you know, we get up in the morning, we get break, get the kids ready, we rush out the door, we have lunch on the run, we try and keep ahead of the demands of work and... We come home and do some jobs around the place and somewhere in the midst of that day we're meant to fit in doctor's appointments and uh, school trips and church groups and friends to see and bills to pay and groceries to get and cars to get warranted and life can just seem constantly busy. Sometimes we can collapse into bed at night and we think of all the things we've done and we think of all the things we've still got to do. So today I wanted to talk about work in the fourth of this series on work but I want to talk about work and rest. Because the aim of this series I've been preaching on work is to try and bring integration into our lives. Because often what we do is we compartmentalize our lives. We have our work life, we have our spiritual life, we have our family life, and we put it in little boxes. But God is interested in the whole of our life. Um, Sometimes we tend to think, well, my faith is private. But it isn't. Christian life is a holistic life. God created this world, He placed us in the world for a purpose. God is interested in every part of our lives. And work is a crucial area because we spend a lot of time at work, and in our work we have great influence, we meet lots of people. And a couple of weeks ago I talked about the complexity of our workplaces, that, and how do we make decisions, ethical decisions, in a complex world, and there's some notes there if you missed that from a couple of weeks ago, But how we can make good decisions as we try and live a God-honoring life. This week I want to talk about, as I said, work and rest. The balance between work and rest. A few years ago, when I was in Topol, I did a survey of people around work and I said, What is the number one issue facing you concerning work? And the number one issue by a country mile was the issue of work rest balance. Now, I don't think it's changed in the time I did that survey. That was the number one issue balancing the demands of family and work and leisure and church. Sometimes we feel like we're in a treadmill. And we're running and we can't get off. Sometimes we feel like we're juggling too many balls and, and uh, sooner or later we're going to drop one of the balls. Some people have said that this is the tired generation. Often when you talk to people, they say, I'm tired and busy. There's lots of medical evidence to suggest that people are overworked and, and stressed in life. It's coming up to Labor Day in a, in a few weeks' time. The irony is that when Labor Day was created it was meant to bring in the age of leisure you know we're only going to work eight hours a week and we have all this time left over and uh, it would be great why is it then that everyone's so tired we've had eight hour weeks for years for years days what did I say (laughs) oh that would be good wouldn't it that would that would really slice down yes that's a good point I read, this, um, I read about this experiment they did with mice. Now, if you like mice, don't listen. close your ears. Um, but uh, they did this experiment with mice where they injected them with um, amphetamines uh, to see how high a dosage they could get to before the, the mouse died. And what they found is that um, when the mouse lived on its own in solitude and they injected the, the mouse with amphetamines, it took quite a high dosage before the mouse carked it. But when the mice all lived together and they injected all the mice, the dose was much less. In fact, it was 20 times less to get a lethal dose because all the mice hyped each other up. Uh, In fact, um, you know, that was the effect that the other mice all running around frantically had on each other. Um, Their experimenter said in a group, they'd go off like popcorn or firecrackers. They were just, boom, uh, dying all over the place. Uh, in fact, they took one mouse who'd had no amphetamines at all, all right, and they put him in the cage with all the mice that were all hyped up running around. Okay? And uh, that also had an impact on him. In fact, he was dead within 10 minutes. Um, he simply uh, got impacted. Even though he hadn't had any amphetamines at all, he got stressed by the fact that everyone else was running around like headless chooks. Now, that was a bad analogy, wasn't it? Um, Now, only a mouse, of course, would be so stupid as to hang out with a bunch of other mice all hyped up, wouldn't they, to such an extent that they killed themselves. I mean, only mice would do that, wouldn't they? Us humans wouldn't do that. We're far too sensible. But, you know, we live in a hyped-up world, a restless world, where speed is everything. We've embraced the notion, you know, work hard, play hard. How much can I fit into life? Which is why we find it so hard to find balance today. There's a number of reasons for this. One is that we've confused rest with leisure. Or leisure with rest, sorry. I mean, leisure can be so frantic sometimes and so tiring that we need to go back to work in order to have a break from leisure. I mean, leisure is incredibly self-orientated, but it's not actually often rest. There's nothing wrong with leisure. Some leisure can bring rest, but leisure and rest are not the same things, and I'll talk about that more soon. We find it hard to slow down because we've been conditioned to think that faster is better. Faster is better. More stuff, better. Productivity is everything. So if you're doing nothing, then you're lazy. We find it hard to find work balance rest because we want more stuff, and to get more stuff, we've got to earn more money. So we have to work harder to get it. And the fourth reason why we find it difficult to rest is we've bought into the great myth that technology will make life simpler. All right. And if you've been around for a while, you know that technology does not actually make life simpler at all. In fact, technology makes life incredibly complex. Suddenly, you can be contacted any time of the day by anyone. Suddenly, you are on Facebook, you can be contacted with in contact with 300 people via your Facebook or social media. You come back to work and suddenly after a week's, week off and you find there's 100 emails. So you have to, how do we survive without emails before? Now, I'm not being a Luddite here and saying we should get rid of technology, but we've, we've somehow thought that technology will make life simpler. And it's not made life simpler at all. It's made life incredibly complex. Now, it's great. I mean, technology is wonderful. You know, when we were away on a holiday recently in Tasmania. You don't need to buy a map anymore because it's just on your phone. You know, alpha maps, you never get lost because you can always tell where you are. You know, technology is great. But technology does not make life simpler. It's made life incredibly complex and adds to this pressure that we feel under so how do we recover rest we need to understand what the biblical pattern of rest is and rest is the opposite of work okay it's the opposite of work the the bible says a lot about work we've been teaching around that it also says a lot about rest and it sets out a different pattern of rest that's different from the leisure that we've bought into Genesis 1 introduces God as a worker and uh, it says, on the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from the work of creating that he'd done. Now, there's a debate around, is this literal or poetic? I'm not going to go into that debate. I tend to think it's poetic. You know, I don't think that God is like the contestants on the block, that God you know, um, was up all night um, on Saturday night, uh, working all night to finish the paint job uh, on creation and then perhaps you know, exhausted on Sunday, at time for judging. I mean, I don't think that is the sort of image that we should have of the six days of creation where God was sort of frantically trying to get everything finished. Um, so why did God need to take a break? Was he tired? I mean, I'd get tired if I had to create the world, whether it was seven years or 1,700 years. I mean, I'd, I'd be tired. It'd be hard work. Was God tired? Um, you know, did God get a headache trying to get everything lined up? no I think God rested because he wanted to enjoy his creation he wanted to step back he saw that it was good and he wanted to step back from that and when we come to the Ten Commandments uh, the Ten Commandments reference uh, the Sabbath or rest in relation to creation remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy six days you shall labour do your work the seventh day is the Sabbath the Sabbath So, the Lord your God, on it you should not do any work. The one day in seven was based on the example of creation. It's a day to stop and to rest. Otherwise, work becomes relentless. It's a chance to enjoy life, to celebrate. It's a day set apart, dedicated to God. Jesus modeled it with his disciples. Often uh, it says they were really busy, busy. One example of Mark was um, that uh, there were so many people coming and going that disciples and Jesus didn't even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And it's a pattern we see repeated in the Gospels, that Jesus was busy, had demands of ministry uh, and popularity, and then he withdrew and rested. Meantime, he had multiple run-ins with the uh, the religious authorities of the day who accused him of working on the sabbath Uh, when his disciples picked some corn uh, they got accused when he healed uh, people on the sabbath he got accused of breaking the sabbath because they made up all these rules about how to keep it and jesus said the sabbath was made for people not people for the sabbath it's lawful to do good on the sabbath true rest is about restoring and finding our balance again it's the restoring of the body the mind and the soul not only renewed physically and emotionally, but also spiritually. Many people are tired because they miss the spiritual component. And it's a different sort of tiredness. It's a tiredness that comes through lack of meaning, it's a tiredness that comes through not reconnecting with our Creator, our source of energy. True rest is about rediscovering God, ourselves, others, and creation. If you got a definition of rest, this would be it, that rest is rediscovering God, ourselves, others and creation. It's looking outside of ourselves and recognizing and rediscovering God and His greatness. In rest, we can listen to the voice of God from the relentless demands on our life. We rediscover the creative talents that God has given us. We remember others and serve them. We're inspired by His creation. And rest, when we rest we find meaning and purpose in our work again. See, we can get so caught up in our work, it becomes an idol that we worship, becomes relentless. We think life is work. Stopping enables us to remember God again and His purposes. We remember that we're working with God to restore a broken world. We remember that we're working for the greatest boss we could ever have, which is very easy to forget. As we stop, we let God be in control again. Because what we do for six days a week, we think we're in control. I'm in control. I'm in control of my life. What I do, seventh day we stop and we remember we're not in control at all. Now, some leisure can help with this renewal, but much of our leisure doesn't. Because the goal of leisure is personal enjoyment. The goal of rest is to reconnect with God, His world, His people, and ourselves. Sabbath, rest, is a gift from God. It shows God's care for us. And true rest re-energizes us and renews us so we can re-enter the workplace. Now, some of you are sitting there and thinking, Keith, this is idealistic. Uh, This is old-fashioned. This is idealistic. Uh, Doesn't work anymore. Might have worked once. Doesn't work anymore. Some of you might be thinking, I'd really like to find this, but how on earth do I do it? I want to give this morning 10 suggestions for finding rest. These are not commands, all right? They're not rules. Um, They're ideas. Some of them I've used, some other people have used and found helpful. The reality is there is a biblical pattern of rest that we need to rediscover. So here's my 10 suggestions in terms of rest, finding rest again. And the first is very simple. We've got to take seriously God's command because rest is counter-cultural. We've got to be doing something. We've got to be busy. If someone's not busy, there's something wrong with them. And we're ignoring this principle at our peril. Through health and lack of spirituality, it's paying a huge cost. Someone once said, I actually thought it was someone uh, else, but um, it was Carl Jung said, that Hurry, uh is not of the devil, it is the devil. Uh, now, Carl Jung wasn't, well, he might have been a Christian. Maybe, maybe not. But, but uh, he was a um, psychologist. But what he was saying is that hurry uh, destroys the soul. Destroys the soul. Hurry, sickness, destroys our souls. When we understand what true rest is about, no wonder the devil wants to keep us busy all the time. is not of the devil, it is the devil, he said. We need to plan times of rest. Rest does not happen by itself because there's this wave of pressure to do things. We've got to carve it out. It will not accidentally happen. It takes considerable self-discipline to stop when there's 10 million things to do that we could do. It's got to become a pattern, a schedule in our lives. Thirdly, we need to re-examine our leisure options. Is what I'm doing in my leisure helping me rest or do I just feel weary at the end of it? I'm not suggesting we get rid of leisure. I'm just suggesting that if our leisure is not helping us rest, we've got to cut back. In order to build rest times in, so the test is: Is your leisure helping you slow down, reconnect with God, yourself, others, and creation? My fourth suggestion is to practice slowing down because we live in what a hurry sick world. We could walk to work one day a week. That would just slow us down. Here's a suggestion that that'll cause some of you to, his teeth to grit and start manifesting. Um, but you could, when you're at the supermarket, join the longest queue, not the shortest queue. Oh, who was that reacted? That was Lois, was it? <laughs> Lois. <laughs> well, don't say that if you react to this, that you've got a serious case of, of hurry sickness and you do not realize how sick you are. All right. Choose the longest queue. Choose actually to slow down. You need extra therapy if you reacted to that. Um, <laughs> keep a daily journal. A journal is a great way to slow down, uh, to actually reflect on the day, how it's gone. First suggestion is to get free from the phone for time. Cell phones are great, but do we need to be available 24 hours a day? Turn it off. You're not indispensable. Now, my wife tells me that. Uh, (laughs) Have a technology-free day, number six. I've never managed to do this. I like the idea, but I've never managed to do this. Have a day when you have no technology. (laughs) No TV, no phone, no radio, no technology whatsoever. You're killing you. (laughs) (laughs) You're killing us. All right. Number six, make times of solitude. Often we feel like solitude is a waste of time. In fact, often we don't like solitude because when we have times of solitude, often we use media uh, to distract ourselves from how we feel, including how we feel about ourselves. Uh, But being alone is the one place where we gain freedom from the forces that want to relentlessly mould us. In solitude, we have no friends, no meeting, no TV, no music, no books to distract us. No jobs, no possession. In solitude, we just have me and my sinfulness and God and His grace. I don't know if I wrote that or not, but, or whether I got that of a book, but it's, it's a great. In solitude, we only have me and my sinfulness and God and His grace. Seven, lower... Well, that might be eight, actually. Lower our consumer expectations. You know... Uh, that drive to have more. One way to actually slow down is also to declutter, to spring clean. Uh, That helps us slow down. Number nine, be a regular worshipper. Whether it be Sunday or some other time, get in the pattern of being a regular worshipper because worship is a call back to God. You know, we live in a society where there's stuff on every weekend, stuff to do. It's competing with God's plan for rest and worship in our lives. If we don't build a pattern in our own lives, how are we going to ever expect our children to understand that pattern and why we're doing it? People complain, you know, uh, their children aren't interested in going to church, but have they set that example in their own lives? Lastly, connect with creation regularly. Connect with creation regularly. Uh, Just go to the beach, go for a walk in the park. Creation helps us see the wonder of God. Creation helps us just understand our place in the universe. In in creation, we get that sense of wonder and thankfulness to God. Now, how you build a pattern of rest into your life will be different from me, will be different from someone else, and it will depend on the stage of life you're at. Um, How you reconnect with God will depend on how you're wired up as well. There's no laws, there's no rules, and we can't follow other people. There's rest you can build into your daily schedule, into your weekly schedule and at different times of the year. We are created to work, but we're also created to rest. You know I think the principle of rest is ignored by so many people, and for all of us, it's a struggle to practice in a hurry-sick, leisure-seeking world. Let me close with a story about Tato. Tato is. There's Uh, Tato. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Tato is a basset hound. And Tato the basset hound liked, like most dogs, to go for a walk in the evening. But on this particular day in March 1990, Tato the basset hound did not intend to go for an evening run. But he didn't end up with much choice. See, his owner was in a hurry. And uh, as the owner didn't have time to take him for a walk, um, and the owner jumped in his car and rushed out to do a message. Unfortunately, he accidentally shut the door on Tato's leash. A police officer on a motorbike traveling down the road noticed something unusual about the car. There was something going behind it. And so eventually he managed to catch the car and noticed that Tato had been running behind it. Tato had reached speeds of 40 kilometers an hour. Before the officer managed to stop the car. Seemingly, Tato has not been very keen on going for evening walks anymore. Some of us are like Tato we're running flat tack, we're even falling over occasionally, but we're not stopping. It's time we rediscovered rest. What is your work-rest balance like at the moment? If you to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, what is your work-rest balance? What changes do you need to make this week? You know, God has shown us how to live well. Now, I don't have any research to back this up, but I reckon that if, whether we're Christians or not, if we were to, as a country truly take a day of rest there'd be a massive improvement in every social indicator known health well-being relationships productivity but of course we think we know how to live life better we think we can live life faster we can fit more in and do more and expect no consequences the reality is we're living faster than we're designed for and we're reaping the consequences Here's a radical way to end my sermon. Maybe today does not, God does not expect more of you. Maybe today God is asking less of you. Maybe today God is asking less of you. Maybe God wants you to do less. Maybe today God is calling you to be still and to know that he is God. We're going to just spend a little reflection, listen to a song before the worship team come and lead us in our final song. Just take some time to reflect. God might be saying to you through this message.